With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From an array of highly secure, top secret locations around South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast post-rodeo road trip edition. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by Express News, sports editor Nick Talbot, and beat writers Tom Orsborne and Jeff McDonald. And I'm not sure where to start this week, so let's just start with the biggest news happening with your local cagers, and that obviously is the end of the Thomas Sadoransky era. Does anybody want to weigh in on this momentous uh, milestone, this momentous departure that the city is going through as we speak. I just think it was, it's unfortunate that the Wizards have already played their game at the AT&T Center, uh, so we don't get to watch a tribute video. They'll have to wait till next year. It's going to be a you good know. one. Uh, yeah, it'll be him like uh, getting off the bus and uh, uh, practicing and yep. playing, playing about uh, 12 minutes in that one game. Against the Wizards. If there's one thing, Tom, is if there's one word to sum up uh, Thomas Sadoransky and the legacy that he left with your Spurs, what, what, what one word would you think of? One, one word. Uh, it's sad, sad. Uh, I, I was I see, really see what I was going for was I thought he was a pro. Was he not yeah, a pro? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Well, I was okay. looking forward to talking to him because there's a there's a writer from uh, the Czech Republic who corresponds with me quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, he assured me that Thomas was a great interview and that we would really enjoy him. So, um, you know, it's kind of like with, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, uh-huh. you know, we, but, but we did get to talk to, uh, Hernan Gomez, which was nice. And he was a pleasant, pleasant fellow, uh, from Spain and, you know, I was looking forward to. Uh, I've been to Prague, so I was gonna. I was gonna talk to a, a Sadransky about that. Yeah, so it's yeah. sad. It's sad. It is sad. All these guys were just barely getting to know. I think Wancho is appearing in a new movie about, uh, like, a Hollywood movie. Like he's, he's the star of it, isn't he? In an Adam Sandler film. Like I'm not making that up. We, we missed out on. We missed out on a, a, yeah. a Hollywood, uh, you know, celebrity in the middle of all this. So, so another, another sad piece of news. Is there anything? I feel, like, I feel like the day that was pointed out to me by someone, I thought, Hey, that would be kind of actually a, a thing people would be interested in. And I should talk to him about it. Uh, he was, he was traded. Yeah. So, well, in the middle of all this sad news, is there anything positive to talk about with your local cagers as they, they are now, we are taping this on uh, Wednesday, March the 2nd. Um, the Spurs returned to the AT&T center uh, which is being scrubbed as we speak, uh, 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 sanitized, uh, all the all the manure and what have what you. Did, being what did Bill Land do in there? Uh, I was going to make something along the lines of the Jeff McDonald joke, but okay. Yes, I circumvented uh, that. Yes. Yeah, the, the rodeo road trip was basically two normal-sized road trips. It was not the longest if you want to be pedantic about it, it was not the longest true road trip of the season. I think Tom sure. Orsborn was on that. 
in early January where they trekked across the eastern uh, seaboard for a while. I, by they, the they, way, were, they were four and four in the rodeo road trip. Uh, what, what do y'all think about that? It's almost always been that way where it's uh, it's dissected in some way by the all-star break. There have been a couple where it's been like a, like eight games in one shot. But since 2003, I would I would hazard a guess that most of them have been like a like a, a four and four or a five and three or something like that. So anyhow, to your point. Just just uh, just on uh, just statistically speaking forward from that trip, I think that's pretty much their their best trip in a while. I mean, I don't really count the last one because it. Got, I think last year they actually went two and one on their rodeo trip, because the rest of it just got rescheduled and scuttled by COVID. But but before that, they they've had some just horrific. You know, they had for for the longest time that was their best time of the year. They had like, um, like until 2015, they never had a losing one, and then they started oh, having. Then the last couple of years, they've had some really bad losing ones, like some two and seven type losing ones. Um, so four and four, I think you take, like it's been, that's been their best most productive rodeo trip in, in a long, long time. And it started with Derek White on the team and ended with him not on the team. And so you, you know, it's not like they traded like, like, uh, you know, uh, Tim Duncan or something, but it did sort of reshape how the team is performing and, and set up and functioning, um, since that first game in Cleveland. On a kind of a, a strange note, the the ending in Memphis, it has to go down. You guys can weigh in, of course, but the most entertaining performance by a Spurs opponent, possibly in franchise history. I mean, there's some. Well, that's a, that is a huge statement from Tom Orsborn, who's been around yes. for a lot of franchise history. Yeah, I mean, there's been other games, uh, Tatum, uh, Kyrie Irving, where they hang fifty plus. You know, yeah. and there, but but has there been a more entertaining performance where you you kind of forget, you know, if you're a Spur fan, a diehard Spur fan, you kind of forget for a moment that he's killing your team, but you just say, yeah. I can't wait to see what that guy does next. Has there been a more memorable zero point four shot in Spurs history? <laughs> Not that I can remember. Okay, I'll say this: that's obviously a, a, a joke. The Fisher thing still haunts the listeners of this podcast, I'm sure. But like in terms of uh, uh, athleticism and just a holy crap, oh, 0.4 shot that the the Morant full court, by the way, great, great pass from Stephen Adams yes. to yes. put just the perfect amount of air underneath it. But the, the degree of difficulty on Morant 0.4 just is it, it dwarfs the degree of difficulty on the Derek Fisher spin around and make his 0.4. Like that was, that was one of the dangdest, one of the dangdest shots I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was incredible. And then that's after the, the dunks that he was just flushing on, on Spurs left and right. It was a hell of a performance from John Morant. Tom, you're right. And you, you sit there and you say, like you just said, Mike, um, that was a, incredible play but he had two other incredible plays uh he's really something yeah the three-point shot from the logo the scaling uh mount uh pearl for the for the dunk um you know it's just an incredible performance highly entertaining yeah i think that's the that's what's going to be aggregated from this podcast and i put it all over the the hoops rumors uh, as as the express news reports that john moran is really something (laughs) <laughs> um, 
that, that's that's going to cost some weight because he really is. That was something else. What else sticks out? I don't, to I don't, you, like, don't want to go. I don't want to go out on a limb here. Like I don't want to go way out on a limb. Um, mm-hmm. Make up a hot take, but uh, yeah, John Moran is something. He really is. He might even be better than that uh, Zion guy. I think he got drafted behind. I think I don't think there's any question about that. I think that there, and that's it just looks uh, that looks more and more uh, kawaii-ish by the day. What's going on in New Orleans? We're not going to turn this into a, a Zion uh, podcast, but oof. I got no information, but it, it doesn't sound like Zion's ever playing for the Pelicans ever again. Yeah, uh, I you know it, it, it looks bad. They're going through their. Uh, they had their Mar- Mardi Gras yesterday. Uh, so at least they know how to party a little bit, but things look rough basketball wise for that franchise. Is there any, is there any, uh, thing else from the, uh, rodeo road trip that you fellas, uh, feel merits discussion? Well, I sort of mentioned, I sort of mentioned they, they traded Derek, they traded Derek white after the first game. And we've seen, um, you know, some other guys thrust into some other roles. Um, Devin Vassell's a starter. Now Lonnie Walker is sort of, um, I don't know what, how you want to phrase it. Just freed up to uh, to sort of, you know, do his thing. And I think both those guys have been 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 pretty good since the since the uh, trade deadline. The Vassell's a starter, and Lonnie Walker, I think, uh, as we sit and record this, is in the midst of his best five six game stretch of his career, which is is um, certainly we've talked about his consistency being an issue, but he's been consistent for five or six games, so that's. That's good too, and I I, I think it's just um, you know with with Vassell obviously his opportunity is is obvious and that he's the starter now where Derek White was, but I think taking Vassell off the second unit has given Lonnie Walker a little more ownership of that second unit and he's taken advantage of it. So good for him. And we've talked about his contract situation on here ad nauseum. I don't know if we need to go over it again, but it's a, it's it's good timing. It's good timing for him to sort of show up what he can do. Um, kind of down the stretch run here and we'll see if he can keep it up. Is he um, a guy who you like in that role long-term? Like obviously Manu Ginobili taught us that it takes a special type of mentality, a special type of player to thrive uh, when you're not getting starting minutes all the time. Um, I'm, I'm just curious how you guys feel that he fits into that because if he does come back, you would think that that could be his role for for a while. Um, I don't think Keldon Johnson or Devin Vassell or DeJounte Murray is going anywhere. Um, so do you, to Jeff's point about him kind of finding a home as the sixth man, as the leader of that second unit, is that something that you like uh, for this franchise moving forward? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been kind of neat to see um, and pop, Pointed out in Memphis, you know, he he kind of tapped the brakes on talk about uh, uh, Lonnie turning the corner consistency wise, but it, it appears that that's what's happening. Um, so you know, it's kind of neat to see. Um, we forget, or I forget, how how young he is, how little experience he's had. You know, coming out of Miami so quickly, but it's it's just kind of neat to see his development. If this really is a turn the corner moment, it's it's kind of cool to see. Another youngster, or or younger than you realize, fella, uh, who's I guess we could talk about because of the uh, the way he played over the rodeo road trip is twenty four year old uh, grizzled veteran Zach Collins. 
um, I was speaking to one of the beat writers, one of one of one of, one of Jeff McDonald at the uh, I believe it was in Washington D.C. This was a about, this was a private conversation about um, I know a I know a Portland fan who just was sick of Zach Collins several years into his mm. uh, tenure up there in Portland. He was a top ten pick, and I think this this goes to just the the the, the way expectations. Um, can affect how a fan base or how an organization views a player. And I think that when the, when the trailblazers of, of Portland, Oregon drafted Zach Collins out of Gonzaga university as a top 10 player, they, they saw him as this guy who should be a top 10 performer. And he never became that he was injured a lot. And, and there got to be a point when like Portland fans just didn't want to see him anymore. They were sick of him. Oh, he, He's he's a he's a bust. He's a disappointment. Blah blah blah. He's still twenty four years old, and a top ten talent. And I think that um, as we were saying up there in front of in in the uh, in the DC corner in front of Kelvin Johnson's extended family, um, when the Spurs just kind of throw a, a a low free agent contract on him and take a flyer on him, all of a sudden the expectations are the other way, and anything you get out of him you're kind of happy with, and it seems like this, this could work out for them. Am I, am I wrong about that? <laughs> oh, I have to have the opinion here. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, who knows? We'll see. It's a good gamble. I think it's a good gamble. Yeah. Like, and not really much of a gamble. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to watch him play right now and be, Oh, that guy's going to be something else because he's still really just finding his legs and just figuring out, Figuring out basketball again after having so much time off. Although, I mean, you watch like Clay Thompson. He didn't take that much time to get back in the group. But anyway, um, you know, I don't know that Zach Collins is a star, but I think he's definitely a guy that can help you. Um, but it's just – it's hard to judge him on the, the seven or eight games that he's played right now because he's not really in the flow of things yet. But he has good moments. You see moments of um, – on both ends, really. You see moments on both ends where you, he looks like a guy that can help you going forward. It's just going to take some time. I think he's this, I think the end of this season for him is just about getting acclimated, maybe stretching out the minutes a little bit, um, figuring out ways to contribute. And then, you know, sort of an audition for next season, a bigger role than, than the, you know, 12 to 15 minutes he's been playing off the bench. I think he could be a bigger part of this team and this rotation next season. I'd venture to say he's been, um, better than I would have expected for somebody who missed as much time as he's missed. And again, we're not calling him a star, but I think it's been a pleasant development. And I think with um, like Jakob Pertl's in a weird spot too, in that um, he signed for one more year and uh, you know, the Spurs would love to keep him around forever, but he's going to get a lot of attention next year. If, If your Spurs are not contenders next year at the deadline, there's good. They're going to, as they did this past year, supposedly, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people interested in Jakob Pertl who's been playing great at both ends. And then if he makes it to free agency, he's going to get a lot of attention there. So um, not, I'm not jumping ahead to saying the Spurs are going to move on from Jakob Pertl, but it would be nice for the franchise to um, have options there. And Zach Collins could give them one. Uh, and I guess that's all rather obvious, but um something to monitor. Um, another player um, who also is on the, on the younger side, who I guess there was a, a statement that uh, one, 
San Antonio head coach Greg Popovich had mentioned in Washington that uh, Joshua Primo would not be returning to the G League for the rest of the season. He was be, he would be up for good. That that came with an asterisk because the Spurs did have what three three days off in a row this week, and they got him a quick game in, in Austin this week. But he's not going back down there at the expense of NBA games anymore. And it looks like he's going to have an extended audition uh, the rest of this season as well. Yeah. He's, um, he's going through growing pains right now uh, with the, um, and you guys can speak better to his performance uh, when he fouled out in uh, where was it? Miami or Washington? I think, I think he got Bogart in there. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then um, he got benched uh, in Memphis uh, in the second half. You know, uh, we, we talked about that um, buzzer beater, incredible buzzer beater by Morant. Poor Josh was, you know, was attempting to guard Morant on that who? play. Who are you talking about, Tom? Uh, Josh. Primo. Poor Poor who? Well, there's poor who. We got, we got, we got two Joshes and a Jock. I now. know, I know. And we, we got, got a Jock. We don't know who you're talking about anymore. And we got a Jock too. Uh, no, yeah, Josh, that's what I mean. But I yeah. think, I think, I think Landale's first name is actually Jockua. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, anyway guys, sorry, Tom. We're being juvenile. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Josh, Joshua witnessed. Uh, you know, was on the court there trying to defend Morant on that inbounds play and. I don't know if that carried over to the second half, but um, Pop benched him and threw uh, the other Josh, the older Josh Richardson, into the game. And then uh, the younger Josh goes to Austin. He had a, a pretty tough game statistically, shot poorly last night, um, had six turnovers, although we don't know what, you know, what the turnovers are about. Kind of like interceptions, you don't know who's at fault really sometimes just seeing the bare numbers. But, you know, it's kind of a rough patch for him uh, going through some growing pains. And uh, uh, it's all for the better, I guess. You just got to go through them. And, and uh, you know, DeJounte Murray talked about that after practice today about, you know, supporting young Joshua and, and trying to get him through this. So, uh when um when Greg Popovich mentioned to us that um, Joshua Primo mm-hmm. tends to get he, he said he tends to get bogarted a lot when he goes to the lane. How many uh, how many members of your local case or your San Antonio Spurs do you think are familiar with that term, Tom? Mm, boy, the same number that know what cagers mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the guy yeah. from a Casablanca, right? Yeah, I think that's actually where it came from. Oh, um, so I think so, it was like because Bo because Bogard Humphrey Bogard played, you know, guys who would just get their way, uh, you know, swaggering. Oh, fellas. I remember and that. So my, you I remember the scene Bogarded. in the movie where he plays. Uh, he plays really tough defense against Lauren Bacall. That's well, Lauren Bacall well, isn't even in that movie, but uh, uh, whatever. I don't care. He was, uh, yeah, last night. Uh, if you turn in for your younger viewers, listeners. Oh, I was thinking of Ghostbusters. That was the yeah. movie I was thinking of. I'm wrong. If you tune in to, uh, if you tune in to Turner Classic Movies uh, movie this week, uh, they're, they're doing uh, 31 Days of Oscar, as they annually do. And uh, uh-huh. I think Bogey, in the last 24 hours, he's had like four movies. And Casablanca hasn't been shown yet. 
So uh, if you want to find out what Bogart means, bo- getting Bogarted, uh, tune in to turn TCM this week, uh, this month, and you'll likely find out. I'm going to sound older than usual, but like, and, and this is also a, this is kind of the Josh, John Miranda is really something kind of take, but Casablanca holds up, man. I think it, like even kids, like even, even today's oh. kids would be entertained by that movie. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another, another hot take. So we're turning into an entertainment podcast here, but Casablanca I mean, does hold up. I mean, your Spurs are 20 and 90. I'm not sure what else there is to, uh, I'm not sure if, if, if we're getting into a, if you want, if y'all want to talk about the pick and roll and what they have to do um, to, uh, to, to handle the Aaron Fox's box, you know, a, a ball screens tomorrow, tomorrow against the Kings, we can, but I'm not sure that this is um, this podcast forte um, breaking down the, uh, the, uh, the defensive switches and whatnot. Uh, we have not mentioned the record that shouldn't be a record, but that everyone will get excited about uh, your, your, <laughs> head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich. At the time of this recording, one victory short of Don Nelson's regular season career record. Um, too short of breaking it. Uh, I think that we'll just, we'll, we'll just say it'll be a cool moment for him. It'll be a cool moment for the Spurs. I think Pop would like to get it over with. I think he might actually enjoy some of the uh, – some of the pop, pomp and circumstance, maybe not all of it, but it'll, it'll, it'll be a cool thing. And uh, hopefully this will get done um, for all of our sake within the next week or so. Uh, so we can, we, we can kind of get this behind us, but it, it has been, it has been cool to go from city to city uh, from opponent to opponent and, and hear all of these coaches young and old from the West Unself junior and Taylor Jenkins to the, Eric Spelstra, who's been uh, battling pop really as an assistant and, a, and as a head coach way back to this first first title. Uh, all, all these coaches with genuine um, admiration for for the man and, and well wishes. It's 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 been a cool thing. I think even pop has enjoyed some of that. You know, we, we ask all these coaches about pop approaching the record and mm-hmm. and not not a one of them, not one has said, but it's a stupid record anyway. You're right. You're right. I'm just wanted to point. I just wanted to point that out. Apropos of nothing, as you say, it's going to be appropriate if he can break the record against the Lakers. It just seems it just seems funny if he does it at home against the Lakers. But that's a possibility. It, it would it would be sort of I don't know. If poetic is the word. Just to have LeBron in the building for that. After all the battles that they've had over the years, that would be a. I don't know if and LeBron see, would like it so much, but. And see, LeBron can can commiserate with the and commiserates the wrong word, but LeBron is another great example of uh, what you know my feelings on these records. And that I believe I'm going to sound like an idiot if I'm wrong here, but I believe earlier this season LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in terms of um, all-time point scores in NBA history, um, regular season and postseason combined. And I believe it was to pretty little fanfare, even though that's a better record than the one that he's going to uh, to break in a year or two. Uh, that's 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 relegated to regular season only. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Like, why are we celebrating the uh, the regular season one more than the combined one? It's just the way we do things, I suppose. But yeah, that that would be cool if uh, if that happens against the Lakers at the AT and T Center on Monday. The reeling Lakers. 
Lakers are Boy, Lakers are a, not doing great lately. Who would have guessed this when they signed uh, Russell Westbrook? Yeah, <laughs> that, did not, that did not work out well. I would call the Lakers a dumpster fire, but that's an insult to dumpsters and fires. It's it's pretty it's pretty, it's pretty bad. They, I mean, as soon as you saw the news come out that they chose Westbrook over DeRozan, as a, someone who covered DeRozan all this whole time in San Antonio, you just kind of saw sat back there and said, well, that wasn't smart. And that now it's kind of come to fruition. It, it really looks, really looks bad, but not to get all first take here again, but it just does not look, does not look great for the, for the cagers of Los Angeles. It does not. I was sort of curious how you were going to spend talking about the Lakers into some Pollyanna optimistic, like strings and cellos playing outro to this thing I don't so know that I, I thought that's where we were that's, going that's, but I, I was going to be impressed if you could pull it off but as 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 usual with you i am i am disappointed i want to hear i want to hear from mike back to casablanca you know you've got bogart and you've got ingrid bergman who who uh-huh. would be who would be your favorite supporting uh, that's one of the great things about that movie so many great supporting players Who's your favorite character outside of the uh, the two leads, Mike? Well, I'm, I'm shocked, shocked to know this gambling, <laughs> to hear that gambling goes on in this hall. Uh, that, that, there's great that, ones. As I say, that's the best line from it. It's not you looking at you, kid. That's the best line from Casablanca right there. So. Uh, who's that? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm blanking on the I'm blanking on the 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 portly fella, Tom. What's his name? The the one the uh, the 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 guy Sydney, who uh, Sydney Greenstreet. City. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 full of great stuff. And, and Peter Laurie has a memorable, you know, he's not on the screen very much, but he's very memorable and creepy as he always is. So yeah. It's a good story. It's 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 real. I mean, like it, it holds up, man. It holds up. All I right. think even kids would like it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. If All right. You're in the mood to be informed. About stuff, go to expressnews.com, which I have not pitched yet, but that's still great. And the listeners of this podcast all know it's great. You can get a good what about deal the newsletter? Uh, on expressnews.com subscription. You could sign up for the Spurs Nation newsletter um, and check out Turner Classic Movies this week. Tom says it's, they're doing their Oscar thing. You'll probably see some Casablanca, some other good stuff. And in the meantime, uh, take care of each other and keep it real. Keep it real.